We started a lesson last week in the book of Leviticus, and we're going through the Bible. Next week is Numbers. It's a bit easier to get through than Leviticus, although uh, there are bits of it you're going to speed read. Let me, I, I, I promise you will, and it's all right. Uh, it's kind of like some of the Chronicles. You'll do that as well. With um, Leviticus, I talked to you about how I used to really struggle with the concept of there being a God until I came across scientific foreknowledge, is what we call it, the Buick and the Pyramid, stuff that doesn't belong in Scripture because it's too early. And we looked at the dietary rules last week out of Leviticus chapter 11, and we're going to go back to chapter 11 today and take a look at something else which actually uh, popped my mind quite a bit more than the dietary rules did. We're going to do it very carefully because as I was thinking about this lesson and excited about it, it didn't dawn on me that this is the fifth Sunday and the kids would be in. And there were some of those things in Leviticus that are hard to discuss with kids in the room. So I'm going to dance around those the best I can, and your drive home's going to be fascinating. <laughs> I cannot wait to hear from the shepherds about your... <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, in, in Le uh, Leviticus chapter 11. Now, while you're, while you're there, remember these rules are for the Old Testament. They're not for our time. And yet, we can see a wisdom there, a medical wisdom, which is way out of date. Now, there are all kinds of rules in society. Uh, I did not know until Mark told us that we weren't to wear the seersucker suits, the white shoes, and the straw hats next week. So, sweetie, I'll need to pick out another outfit. Um, how did you win the war? That's all I want to know. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm over it. I'm really over it. Let me just move on. Um, we looked at the dietary, but I want, you sh I want to show you something. We looked at very briefly last week. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 24. You will make yourself unclean by these. Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean till evening. Whoever picks up one of their carcasses must wash their clothes, and they will be unclean till evening. We face in our world certain diseases that uh, have plagued us for years, uh, for centuries, millennia even. Some of these we can deal with with vaccination or with antibiotics or with uh, other palliative care. However, there are whole classes of them that we will never be able to cure. These are the viral diseases or the prion, sometimes called prion diseases as well, which is uh, like bovine encephalophily, um, mad cow disease, that sort of thing. We will never have, once you get these diseases, a, a drug that will stop them. That's why when you get a cold, the doctor may give you antibiotics to get you out of his office, but they're not going to help you. It's a viral disease. We can vaccinate you against a lot of viruses right now. In fact, we could va vaccinate you against colds, but we'd have to give you over 600 shots because there are that many different rhinoviruses out there, and the shots would kill you, but you would die breathing well, which is uh, one of those good news, bad news situations. What do we do with viruses? We tell you, stay away from other people, wash, drink fluids, rest. What does Leviticus tell people with viral diseases to do? Exactly the same thing. When you touch something unclean, 
wash, not yet just yourself, but your clothes. Stay away from the community. You might think, well, that's just till evening. You have to know the way they use language. Let's say that um, I, I looked outside my, and there laying on my lawn is a dead deer. Somebody hit it and it fell on my lawn. Well, that's, um, I, I've got to pick it up. It's a dead animal, got to get it off. Let's, you know, if, if I lived outside the city. So I go out there and it's three o'clock in the afternoon and I drag it off and bury it. It doesn't mean I get to wash my hands and wash my clothes, take a nice bath and come home at six. It's the next evening. It is the next evening it talks about. So if I picked it up in the morning, I'd be away from home for about 36 hours. If I pick it up in the late afternoon, I'll be away from home for more than 24. You have to stay away. Why? Viral diseases tend to manifest very quickly. If you've got a cold that has come on very slowly, it's not a cold. It's probably a sinus infection. It's probably an allergy. But if you were fine last night, woke up sick, sick this morning, virus. Viruses move more quickly. They replicate more quickly. Those of you who don't know why we're talking about this on a Sunday, it's because this shows us medical information that nobody thought of in medicine for 3,000 years. That's a bit of an exaggeration. It's about 2,700, but close enough. We, uh, we didn't know about bugs. We didn't know about wash the palliative of care and, 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 and hygiene. We didn't know about all this stuff. But they did. They were told, you touch this, you have to stay outside. And in fact, it went beyond this to even more taking care of what's going on. Um, these animals are unclean to you. Even if you touch one that's alive, certain animals, you had to go. Why? Because they carry diseases. We talked about that last week. They carry toxins. They carry bugs. They carry parasites. And then it talks about you can't eat these in verse 30. They're unclean to touch as well. The weasel. I know you're thinking, well, there goes dinner plans. The rats. Any kind of great lizard. The gecko, the monitor lizard, the wall lizard, the skink, the chameleon. All those that move along the ground, they're unclean to you. But whoever touches them when they're dead, will be unclean till evening. Now, you might think, well, we've already covered that, but we just want to make sure we got this. Had they followed these rules, there would have been no bubonic plague, no black death in Europe, decimated Europe. Had we followed these rules, there would not have been the spread of contagion when white people came to North America continent. We would have been able to avoid these things had we behaved. And in George Washington's day, just to help you understand this, to take more than two baths a year was considered unhealthy. The smell coming off of you was considered your defense against disease. The reason they had those little lacy hand uh, things coming out their hands was that they dipped those in perfume and waved those around as they talked because the breath from rotting teeth and the smell of them was so bad. Victorian England, when the winter would come, they would put the little kids in long underwear and sew them in after they have rubbed them down with goose fat. Now, there's a wee flap. I know some of you are thinking about the mechanics. There is a wee flap, but they can't escape through it. <laughs> they, they would wear that covered with fat, no bath, 
they'd wear that until spring because we didn't understand that it's not smells and such. It's not baths that give you a cold. Baths and washing is good for you. Remember, they took Joseph Lester's medical license away, and they almost put Edward Jenner in jail for vaccinating people against smallpox because they didn't believe the science. These people who went ahead and did these things, Leviticus says, yes, you're right. Science said, no, you're not. But now we know they were. But look further. Verse 32. When one of them dies and falls on something, that article, whatever it's used, will be unclean. Whether it's made of wood, cloth, hide, or sackcloth, put it in water. It'll be unclean until evening, then it will be clean. Now we've moved further. You can't just touch it, not touch it, because if you touch it, you'll be unclean. If it falls on an article, that's unclean, and you have to wash that. To us, this is obvious. It was not for 3,000 years. And did you notice the list there? Wood, cloth, hide, sackcloth. What's missing? Um, pottery, he'll deal with that. And metal. Metal is not porous. You're able just to wipe that clean, and you're fine. You can go. These others, it's porous. If you don't understand porosity, uh, just go home later today and put some spaghetti sauce, some tomato sauce, in Tupperware. Leave a day or so, and then go wash it. What happened? It's making a break for it. It's going out. The acids are eating the plastic. Enjoy. Um, <laughs> you are fearfully and wonderfully and marvelously made. You can handle the acid. Go for it. But uh, by the way, George Washington's time, they also thought tomatoes were poison. And there was a plot to kill to, uh, George Washington by hiding tomatoes in his food. Yeah, we were so bright. Uh, but other generations will be saying that about ours. We all know that, right? But not about this. This works. You're able to, um, there go the questions that I was supposed to ask one, answer one day. Hang on. I'm not bowing down before you. I don't do that. There we are. Back to the, our regularly scheduled program. Uh, wood, saw, uh, you, you can wash those. You can use them. Now, what about water? You're saying, but you don't have soaps. You don't have antibacterial lotions and such. That's very true. Water is enough. Generally speaking, water is enough. Now, I'm not opposed to uh, the gels at all. The gels are very useful, very helpful. So is antibacterial soap, but antibacterial soap does not uh, kill bugs more than regular soap. So, and, and you will hear people say, oh, don't use those. We're breeding superbugs. No, we're not covering enough of the earth yet. To, you know, if, we're, if we're spraying them from planes, then maybe. But if you're just rubbing them on the ends of your arms, that's not enough. So don't panic. But water dilution is amazing stuff. It really is. In fact, as you read through here, it'll say, if, you, if a dead animal falls into a pot of water, you can't drink the water. And you might be thinking, okay. But what happens if you go to the well and there's a dead animal in the well? Those of you that grew up with wells know there are frequently dead animals in wells. You can still drink it. Why? Dilution. If you don't understand how, dilution, when you go to, later today and you decide to give your child a bath, maybe you have a four-year-old boy who's very grotty, as we would say in Scotland. Uh, they, they, uh, they 
they're, they're a bit iffy smelling, dirty kid. You put them in a bath. It is impossible for you to give that child a bath and not wash off a molecule of dirt that was once in Egypt on a Pharaoh. How about this? You cannot take a deep breath without breathing in at least one molecule that during its existence was also once in the lungs of Jesus Christ. That's dilution. If you don't understand dilution, there's another form of dilution you might be able to. If I poured a big five-gallon jug of perfume that I bought at the family dollar store here, you would smell it while being trampled by people with allergies. Well, dilution, you pour water into it, you solve the issue. What do we do when you're sick? Drink plenty of fluids. Don't get dehydrated. That'll just make you sicker. You need to be able to keep the, the fluids going. But then look at the special case. If one of them falls into a clay pot, everything in it will be unclean, and you must break the pot. Oh, here's a problem. You see, I didn't make up society. I did not make up history. I'm not to blame for this. But you could get a pretty good wife for three pots. Pots were hard to get. You couldn't go to Walmart and get another pot. Pots were passed down through families. And so if you had three pots, you were doing pretty well. And then a lizard decides to take a detour, jumps in one of yours, and you can't just wash it. You have to break it. And all of a sudden, you're like that little two-pot hussy down the street. <laughs> what happened? Well, if you... Pottery at that time, glazing pottery was not an exact science. It gets into the pot and then leeches every time you use the pot. As those of you that have used pottery that you bought cheaply in Mexico or Belize or Honduras and then decided, oh, let's use it, found out when you went to the emergency room. Because it wasn't clean clay, it wasn't glazed, and therefore, every time you used it, it leached upon you. In fact, uh, there's a there are a certain number of emergency room admissions every year in America for heavy metal toxicity, that because the pots that have arsenic and lead and mercury in them. But they're pretty. <laughs> Just tell yourself that as you fade to black. <laughs> or don't use them. Let them just be for seeing. But again, he even goes further. Any food you're allowed to eat that's come into contact with water from such a pot is unclean. Okay, hang on. Lizard's running through the house. Fall, hits a spoon. Spoon hits the water in the pot. The water splashes out on an article of clothing or food, all of it's unclean. That's the cycle of contagion, and it's scientifically correct. And we didn't know this until the late 17, early 1800s. At earliest, we began to think about it. We didn't understand this. But it's all there, and it's all correct. In fact, it even gets more specific. Look at verse 36. Um, a spring, however, or a cistern for collecting water remains clean. So, but anyone who touches one of the carcasses is unclean. You reach in, you pull out the dead animal, you're unclean, but the water's clean. 
dilution, contagion. We understand it's exactly right. goes further. If a carcass falls, <laughs> we got a pig, wandered into the encampment, and went, eh, thump, and fell on the seeds that are being planted, they're fine. And they are. But if water has been put on the seed and a carcass falls on it, it's unclean for you. Well, why? Well, we now know. When you put water on a seed, the shell becomes porous and it is permeated by what was put on it. And therefore, it becomes systemic. Uh, years ago, about four years ago now, in Colorado, a bunch of people died after eating healthy food. They were eating melons, um, uh, honeydew melons, cantaloupes, and such. What happened? The water being used was contaminated. It was inside. And while you should wash your fruits and your veggies, uh, don't wash your bread, doesn't go well, um, but wash your, your fruit and veggies, you're not getting rid of anything which is systemic. This took care of that and took care of it marvelously for people on the move. 3,000 years before we figured it out, and we still have people dying because we haven't done this properly. We still have flu epidemics because we don't wash our hands. When people go into restrooms, the studies have been done repeatedly. Just slightly more than half of women wash their hands. Slightly less than half of men. And then they all grab the handle that you have to grab to get out. And so you might be thinking, oh, I'm trapped. Yes, you are. Until someone else pushes through and then say thank you and run. <laughs> and if you have to grab the handle, then just hug the next three people you meet, rub their back a little bit, you know. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you. No, not, not yet. Hang on. There we go. Good to see you. Most people do not wash their hands properly even today. If you are to put your hand under a light that shows this, and before you wash and after you wash, you'd be shocked. Why? Because we just kind of give it a, as we go through. There is a way to wash to get them out and around from your fingernails and such, and we don't do it. I talked to a, a student recently who said, we, we washed and we washed and we washed, and then they took swabs and it still grew stuff. And their thought was, then why wash? And I went, no, it's, you got to wash properly and talked about how that's done. In fact, if you're in medicine, you know that. Before you scrub in, you start here, and you go down. You never go back up. If you find you need to go back up, you toss that sponge, and you start again. Why? It's, we, we now know this is real. It talks about even if it's a clean animal, if something dies. But we could go on, but I don't have that kind of time. I normally do this in about six different hours. And I've got two half-hour slots. So let me just go really quickly. There are, in, in chapter 12, there are rules about who is unclean. And I'm going to be very delicate here. Women, when they go through a cycle, there are periods of, in the month when they are unclean. And I had a, a group of um, very antagonistic students at a, at a uh, state school once get on me about that. They said, it says women are unclean. And I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> and they got very upset. And I said, no, you're a misunderstanding. Unclean doesn't mean bad. When I'm being gentle here. When there's a pathway out, there's a pathway in. 
When that pathway is moist, it becomes a superhighway for anything in the community. What did God do? He got them out of the community. They, they're not going to be around the bugs. They're not going to be around it. They get, every woman of a certain age gets between a minimum of three up to about 12 days a month with the girls. No child care, no sexual demands, no laundry, don't have to clean anything. Does this sound like punishment? Does this sound like God hates you? I hate you. You must go relax with women. You know, that's... Well, to me, yes, that would be hate. But for, him, for women, that's great stuff. And it protected them against the diseases. Now, you need to know something else. The women in here know this. The men do not. Um, when you put women together, they synchronize. Now... I know people think they know why, but science still does not know why. I don't care what you read on the internet. But college dorms or uh, military barracks or even sometimes neighborhoods, if they're very friendly, they synchronize. So what that means is it's not one woman out there on a rock somewhere growling at everybody walking past. <laughs> it's the girls. And then you might be thinking, but then what happens when you hit menopause and you don't get that anymore? Oh, yes, you do. In the Old Testament, the older women were to teach the younger women. When do you think they taught them? <laughs> oh, look at the time. I need to be with the girls. And hubby, you know, best of luck. Enjoy your manna. That's, uh, that's about, you know, it's, gonna, you're, it's not going to be cooked this time. It's just going to be raw manna. Uh, let me check my time. All right, got some time. Now, chapter 13 won't go into great detail here because I don't know a lot about dermatology, quite frankly. I have a couple of friends that are dermatologists, and I've asked them to read through this. They have. And I've said, is this medically correct? And they were astonished. They said, this is exactly how we tell what is a dangerous rash versus what is not, just a, a contact issue versus what is systemic, versus you know, what, what might take your life versus what might be dangerous to the community, what is merely just you. You have an issue with this. All of this is right there. And in fact, in chapter 13, we find out you're not supposed to kill people because they look different from you. The port wine stains, the port wine birthmarks, you've seen those. In most societies, you would be killed or considered a god that they would then honor you by killing you. Not here. It says if it looks like this, it's fine. It's not a danger to anybody. The rules in chapter 13 are brilliant. Others will say, wait a minute, after childbirth, if a woman gives birth to a boy, she's back in the camp within a few weeks. But back to a girl, she's out twice as long, unclean, twice as long. Yeah, that's not punishment. God kept a woman unclean after childbirth for, for weeks. Why? Ladies that have been through childbirth, you need time to heal, do you not? Especially in a time with no medical care to speak of. Anything need to heal? Grow back? Get stronger? This is your time with the ladies. And if, if you have a boy, the boy has a place in the community. Everybody understands the place. 
a girl, it was, they weren't as honored in the ancient world. So God gave you twice as long to bond with her. He gave her twice as long with the community of women before she had to re-enter that world run by men. That's not a punishment. Circumcision was on the eighth day. Now, circumcision. Won't explain a whole lot about that today, all right? Except to say, societies where circumcision is common have a far lesser rate of several cancers, especially ovarian cancers. Why? Because of cleanliness. In our society, it is not a big deal. Why? Hot running water and soaps. They didn't have that. Therefore, cleanliness is a big issue. God made sure they stayed alive and that the women were protected. Also, circumcision on the eighth day, the clotting factor in your blood is at the highest within two or three days of the eighth day. It's not like ding and it hits like a little clock, but it's right in that region, which means you are far less likely to bleed to death then than any other time in your life. So that's a good time to do it. Does it still hurt? Yes, don't let them tell you it doesn't. But here's the good news. When you're eight days old, your pain center has not localized. All you know is that something in the universe is unpleasant. You have no idea where it is or what it is. That's a good time to do this then, without antistatic. By the way, God required adults to be circumcised as well at certain times. Ow. I'm so glad we don't have that rule now. You know, somebody after they've been baptized, and they say, wow, I'm so glad I did that. Is there anything else I need to do? Well, interesting that you brought that up. Um, <laughs> so glad we don't have to do that one anymore. But there are so many other things here. Uh, chapter 15, oh, by the way, chapter 14. Chapter 14, cleansing from molds. Tennessee, you need to hear this. Molds and mildews are dangerous. They're not just unsightly and smelly. They're very, very dangerous. And so the rules there were, if you find you've got a green growth growing here on your clothes, take it into the priest. They're going to wash it. They're going to put a circle around it. He's going to mark it. You might think, why don't you just throw it away? There are no other clothes. Do you remember when Jesus' apostles are fishing? They're fishing without their clothes on. And when one of them wants to come see Jesus, they put on their clothes to jump in the water and swim. You don't leave those behind. When Jesus was uh, being killed on the cross, they were gambling for scraps of cloth at the bottom of the cross. Cloth is hard to find. So, you would put a little circle around it, then you'd wash it again, then you'd wash it again. There are three washings. Why? Because we know you can clear out what looks like you've cleared out the mold, but the spores are still there. We're going to see if they come back. Then when you take it back to the priest, if it has grown beyond the circle, you have to burn it. We now know that's the best thing to do. And they had the same rules with houses that got mold in them. They had the same rule with leather that got moldy. All of this, people, is 3,000 years too soon to be in the Bible. Unless there's a God who gave them information that was not available any other way. There's more. There's a lot more. Chapter 15 is various oozings. Um, 
We'll just walk past chapter 15 for now, but let me just tell you, it's still medically very accurate. Uh, Chapter 17, don't eat blood. Now, for some of you, you might be thinking, who would want to? Most of the world. They work blood into different dishes, and and Breton, you have blood pudding, blood soup, blood sausage. Yeah, I know. Horrid stuff. Well, why wouldn't... uh, Isn't there protein in some bloods? Yes, 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 absolutely. Then why can't you... Because they couldn't sterilize it. They couldn't clean it. We can today, but I'd still say don't do it. But they, again, they had to learn, no, you can't do that. And how about chapter 18? Very PG-13 or R-rated. I'll give you time to turn because I know you're dying to see. <laughs> Basically, who you're allowed to have sex with and what you're allowed to have sex with and what you're not including for the first time rules about relations, about how closely related you're allowed to marry. You, again, while none of us may want to run out and marry our sister and brother, that was very common. I get that all the time. Where did Cain find his wife? Well, the Bible says Adam and Eve had lots of kids. One of the girls ran off with them. And people go, ooh. No, it wasn't ooh until Leviticus. It was common. Now, it is, it is way overstating the case to say that if a brother and sister or first cousins get married, then they will uh, produce a child with birth defects. It is only a little bit more common. But that's enough to cause the community harm in generations. And so you don't do that. I mean, I, I worked with um, Carl McClarty, Bruce, Bruce McClarty's brother. I worked with him for... Years and years, and love, love unto peace. And he, is, he was from the Memphis area, so not, not the cool part of Tennessee. I have to be careful. And he was as country as he could be. I'm serious. And he would casually refer to somebody as his double cousin. That's just wrong. Now, I'm sure it's legal, but still, you know, I'm... I'm I remember going to school in you know, Appalachia, and there were times, you know, and I'm speaking there, that you could, I, I could almost swear I could hear somebody going, Uncle Daddy, Uncle Daddy. You know, this is, no, no. Don't do this. Genetics matter. And in Leviticus chapter 18, the rules about genetics are precise and exact and scientific, and we didn't understand what genes were a hundred years ago. But they did. Because they'd been told. There's so much more in Scripture. The law of constancy, which is that all things were created at one point and that you cannot, matter and energy, cannot be created or destroyed now. They can only change form. That's in Scripture. Genesis chapter 1 is also in Hebrews. These rules are there, and we're looking at them going, all right, how about this one? I'll do this and I'll close. The Bible says he hangs the earth upon nothing. Excuse me? <laughs> nothing? Yeah. Do you know what, the, you know what the, the big theory was when that was written? Was that the earth was on the back of a turtle that was swimming in a bowl of milk. I, I think that's a pretty good story, frankly. I like that one. The other story that would come about later was that a giant was holding it, Atlas, 
And every time he had an earthquake, it's because he shrugged a bit. Um, the Bible says, no, I hung it up on nothing. It says you can't count the number of stars. We know that now. That the north is an empty place. We know that now. That doesn't mean like Ohio. That means the north of the... Well, Ohio kind of, because I've lived there too. I'm sorry. I, I, if you've been in western Ohio, your dog can run away, and two days later, you still see it. Uh, it's... As much as it would be convenient for me to not believe in God. Convenient, because it would let me live the way I want to do this, or the way my flesh tells me to do this. Or There is a God, and he has spoken. We have to rightly divide the word to find out what is being spoken to us. What God wants from us. And there is power when we hear him. Amen, church? Let's stand. We'll sing. Mark, I should have given you a heads up. Sorry. Yeah, you don't need to rush. I'll do a little dance, a little song. We'll do a song and we will be dismissed. But go with this. We cannot act as if we are alone in the universe. For he is there and he has spoken. And in these latter days, he has spoken to us through his son, Jesus. Let his words drive your week forward. God bless you.